Susie, you need to run like that too. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in John chapter 6 this morning. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because there's so much that's taking place here. I'll explain it to you in a few minutes. But we've been looking at, today we're going to be talking about the, uh, the I am statement. We're going to start the third statement. This is I am the bread of life is what Christ tells us here in this particular chapter. But we've talked about this from I am the light where Jesus tells us. So we talked about the source of, of, of the inspiration that comes from God. Um, the creation of light that God gives us that drives out darkness and the picture of that for Christ and how he brings life into our lives. Then we talked about it in the sense of the vine. So we talked about the flow, how that moves from the source and then moves into us. Remember, we're the branches. We're not the vine. The vine brings life to us. So today we're going to start talking about the bread of life. Now, what is bread? Bread is the foundational of, of our how we are sustained. But we're going to look at that in a in a we're going to look at that in a far greater version than that. All right. But when we think of bread, bread basically culturally for us and, and in that culture and in that day was the source of sustenance for someone. Okay. And so when Jesus is is telling us that he is the bread of life, not only is he the source that life is coming. Not only is he the flow of how life gets to us, he is the very essence of it, all right? He's the very essence of life and how it takes care of us and how we um, live life upon this earth. But let me explain what's going on in this passage right here, okay? So when this chapter starts in chapter 6, Jesus is at the height of his ministry, okay? He, the, the story that starts chapter 6 is the feeding of the 5,000, all right? So what has taken place there? He's taken what? A few fish and a few loaves. He's broken them and he's fed 5,000 folks. So what takes place after that is Jesus removes himself and goes to the mountain to pray. All these people, though, want to be fed again, right? They want this bread. They want this life. They want... This uh, feeling that they had when they were a part of all of this. So they just kind of try to figure out where he's going next. But what does Jesus do? Jesus comes down off the mountain. He gets in a boat. And then he's on what? He's on the other side of the lake. And so they're trying to figure out where he is. And then they all show up there. What are they showing up for? They're showing up so that they can see him do what he just did before all over again. Are they really there for the right reasons? No, they're really not. But there's really thousands and thousands of them. Let's think about this for a second too, all right? Back in that day, culturally, they didn't count women and children. So when it says that he feeds 5,000, it could literally be upwards of tens of thousands of folks that are following him around now, that he not only fed, but that, that are now following him around from place to place to see this happen. So can you imagine this caravan going around the Sea of Galilee here where there's thousands and thousands of people moving from one place to the next place just to see what Jesus is going to do? So it's the height of his ministry. So there's tons of people that are here, and they're all excited about what's going on. They're all gathered in one place to see the next show and see what Jesus is going to do. And Jesus says this to them, okay? He says in John chapter 6, verse 26 and 27, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate 
of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man gives you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Now look, the statement we're going to look at for all this, we're not going to get to to really next week, okay? And we'll, we'll dive into it more. But I, you need to understand and see what's going on here. So there's really... This Sunday we're going to cover two, and next Sunday we're going to cover two more. But I want you to see what this is, okay? And truly what Jesus is doing here. Christ is more than a cause. This is the first thing that I want you to see. Christ is more than a cause. Now, I know that we refer to things, and we make statements in the church all the time about the cause of Christ. And I get that. But Christ is more than a cause. Now, I've given you some illustrations that are on your notes, and I want to go through them. A cause is def defined as this, as a reason or motive for some human action or a principle, ideal, goal, or movement to which a person or group is dedicated. We're not dedicated to a principle. We're not dedicated to morality. We're not dedicated to an ideal or a goal. We're dedicated to something more than that. What are we dedicated to? What is Jesus Christ? He's a person, right? There's a person of Christ Jesus that we are dedicated to. And the Spirit of God lives within us. So you have to understand that this is more than a cause. I want to give you some causes. Human rights are a cause. Social justice is a cause. Civil rights are a cause, whether that be racial or, or, what, or whatever that is for civil rights. Uh, sexual rights, there's reproductive and orientation that people are into causes for today. There's equal rights, which deals with gender, sexual orientation again, disabilities. How about these other things that are causes in our culture? Diseases are causes, the Cancer Society, other things like that. You know, what is it? Um, pink, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, is, is it one cancer or is it all cancers in October that, that we have the walks and everything for? Breast cancer, breast cancer awareness. I mean, think about that. That's a huge, huge cause, all right? Then there's moral injustice. There's poverty that people have causes for. There's the environment that we have causes for. I mean, we have all of these things that we get in, involved with. I'm not telling you that these things are wrong. I'm just saying to you that a relationship with Christ and what Christ is trying to explain to this group of people, what he's trying to share with us is it's much far greater than that. Jesus Christ is just not another cause that we get involved with. But a, but a lot of people in the church treat the church like a club or a cause. They're a member of it. They're involved in it. They get, they get involved with certain activities that go on or certain events that, they, that, they go, that the church hosts or goes or does or, or is involved with because they think that they're important. But that's not a relationship with Christ. When Jesus Christ tells us that he is the bread of life, what he's trying to tell us is that he is far greater. He is the very essence of who we are to live and what we need on a what basis? What kind of basis do we need that? The daily basis. This is a daily thing. So I want you to think about causes and think about things like that. We have months which we celebrate things. We have weeks which we celebrate things. Causes come and go. But a relationship does not come and go. 
So when Jesus is talking to this group of people, all this large crowd which is following him around, which have, have been fed by the very miracle which he provided just a few days before, he says, I want to give you something far greater than that. I want to give you something that endures to inter- eternal life, which the Son of Man gives you. Luke 9 23 through 26 puts it in this perspective for us. This will switch gears a little bit for us. And he said to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits himself, or loses or forfeits himself? Or in your translation may say soul. For whatever is ashamed, whoever is ashamed of me and my works, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So I want you to understand this. So when Jesus tells us that he is the bread of life, that he is the essence to us, there is a responsibility that comes with us from the freedom that, that we are blessed with through that. Has any of you ever been told, maybe you tell, told this to your children, or maybe you were told this as children. With freedom comes what? Responsibility. You cannot have this freedom without the responsibility that comes with it. So, hear this. When Jesus says that he is, in essence, the bread of life to us, that he is the very essence of who we are as a being, then there comes a responsibility that we have with that. What does this passage say that that responsibility is? That responsibility is to pick up our cross daily and to carry that. So when these people are coming around and they're looking to be fed by Jesus through a miracle or a sign that he gives, really what are they doing? They're freeloading on their on belief. They're believing that Jesus will supply them without ever taking responsibility for who Jesus is. We've talked about this in the last few weeks and months before. And I really think that this is important for us to understand. There's a difference between belief and faith. Scripture says that even the demons believe and they shudder. Jesus encountered demons and they called him out as the son of God, the son of man. They called him for who he was. That doesn't mean that they even believed in him. But then there are some that are in the church and outside of the church that if you went up to them, they would say, I believe in God. Well, that's great. That's understanding the truth of what God says to us through his scripture and his word about his son and embracing that. But to understand truth is not to follow that. That is called trust. That's the difference. See, you can know the truth, but not trust in it to go and to follow after it. That is faith. So you must have truth and you must have trust. And this is what Jesus is trying to get across to everybody at this point right now. This is why chapter 6 is so important in the life and the ministry of Christ. He's going to go from being the height of his popularity in the world to basically the disciples in the end of this chapter. By the end of this chapter, the disciples, the 12 are going, should we even keep following him? 
And he's talking about the bread of life. He's talking about himself being that bread. Why is that so important? It's so important because this is the point where everybody has to move from being a believer to being a follower. You have to move from the truth of God to trusting in the word of God through faith. And this is what Jesus is calling for us to do right here. He's saying, look, with this freedom that I'm going to give you, this life, this life abundantly that I'm going to bless you with, there becomes a responsibility. You have a cross. You must pick it up daily and you must carry it. It is your life. It is the burdens, the responsibilities that you must bear. It is, it is the things that I've called you to specifically that, I bless, that, I'm, that, that is your purpose in life that's going to bring me glory. These are the things that you must walk in. This is the direction that you must go. These are the things that, that I not only want you to accomplish, but I want to bless you through and bless your life in. So guys, we've got to understand here, this is more than just signing up for something. This is more than just being a member of something. This is more than any other cause or activity that you are involved in. Now, look. We lump church life in with every other aspect of our life. And then we prioritize And in a lot of cases, the priorities of the church come in conflict with the other priorities of our family or maybe our children, you know, activities that we've signed them up to get them involved with and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not here to bash the fact that we play softball and baseball and soccer and football and practices happen on Sunday and practices happen on Wednesday and they take them away from all that kind of stuff. We make choices. That's on us. We bear those responsibilities. Now look, are we, is, in some cases, is the church asking you to forge your life into our time frames? Yes, we are. We're not flexible within the church. Church meets at Sunday at, seven, at 11 o'clock. Church meets Sunday at 10 o'clock. Church meets Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. And you better be there. And I understand that doesn't always fit with schedules the way things are going. But that does not give everybody a pass for just not being involved anymore. It doesn't fit my schedule. That's not faith. That's not fellowship. One of the parts of the church is that we fellowship together. One of the parts of the church is that we disciple each other together. One of the parts of the church is that we worship together. And I get it. We've kind of narrowed it down to a few moments in time which we want to gather. We need to broaden that. We need to think about that in church life so that we might be able to meet other folks at their point of need so that we can minister to them. The other aspect of that, though, is this. Is that this is not a cafeteria. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said... And we're going to get to this next. The way, the truth, the life. You need to understand. The gate is what? Broad, 
that enters into the path of the kingdom of heaven? No, that gate is narrow. And blessed are those who find it. At some point, at some point, we need to stop trying to please everybody. And everybody needs to stand up and step out on faith. I'm going to tell you this. As someone who's played college baseball, who's actually gone to major league tryouts and stuff like that for teams and, and just didn't make it. If you're good enough, they will find you. Meaning this, your kid doesn't have to travel all over the world with travel ball to do all this and do all that. If your kid's good enough for something, the people that know will find your kid. And that scholarship will come your way. Do you trust God for that? Or are we trying to make these things happen? That's just one example. I, I know I'm hard on that this morning. But it's in all things in our lives. We try to make them happen. Do we, we have to move beyond this belief and we actually have to have faith. We have to move beyond the truth of God, which we see every day, to trusting in God to make these things happen. This is what he's saying to this group of people right here. We're more than a cause, guys. Don't lump me in with everything else, Jesus is saying. Why? Because I'm greater than all of that. He says this in verse 28 and verse 29. He says, Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has, whom he has sent. The second thing I want you to see is not only Christ more than a cause, Christ is more than a task. Remember how I said and just got through explaining that the reason that we get involved with causes most of the time is because we can pick them up and lay them down. Why is that? Because most of the causes that we are involved in are event-driven. Breast cancer awareness is a month. And so when we're involved in a social cause or when we're involved in some kind of environmental cause or when something else, it comes around because it's happening what? At a specific point in time and then you can pick it up and you can run with it for a little bit and then you can lay it down. Jesus Christ is not a task. He's not... Uh, showing up to an event, and that can be all kinds of stuff, which is on Sunday morning. Are you checking the Sunday morning box? I went to church this week. Good for you. If you're able to come into church, engage the Word of God, sing to Him, worship Him, and walk out not moved, then you have not worshiped. You have checked off a box. And if you've checked off a box, you've completed a task that you have in your calendar for the week. And I know some of you, I'm a type A, but some of you are those people that have to move from one thing to the next. And your life is so in order, right? You've got calendars and, and, you're, and you move, everything in your life moves by a calendar, doesn't it? How many of you got one at home? Is it on your refrigerator or have you moved from your refrigerator? Some of you have got the whole family life planned out on this on the refrigerator, right? If, you're gonna, if we're going to be involved in it, it needs to go on the calendar on the refrigerator. If it's not on the calendar on the refrigerator, it's not something that we're going to be involved with. Look, we move our lives like this. Why? Because it brings us a sense of comfort 
and a sense of order. But Jesus Christ is not an event-driven task. Why? Because he moves in and about our lives each and every moment of each and every day. You don't have written down on your calendar the next time he wants you to share your faith because you don't know when it is. You don't have written down on your calendar the person that you should be inviting to church or that he's wanting you to build a relationship with so that they might be the next step of your faith because you don't know when it's going to happen. And you don't know who it is. And if we try to box Christ up that way, there's no way that it will ever, ever happen. Miss Susie just went back there with, what, three or four children. And she's going to share with them the Word of God back there. She's going to break open the Bible. She's going to share with them. And that's an event, a time that that's taking place. But that doesn't mean that, it, that it's the only time that it takes place with those children throughout the week. Meaning, it, are we doing it as a family? Are we prepared to have other times where we would, would engage other people with the Word? We cannot box it up and place it that way to make it happen. Look, this group of people, Jesus fed us yesterday. Jesus is now over here. He's going to feed us what? This bread that we need today. So we're going to follow Jesus over here today because he did this yesterday. And we think it's going to happen the same way. But what is Jesus telling this group of people? It doesn't work that way. He does not want us to have our life planned out spiritually. Because why? It takes away from the move of God, all right? Now look, we're not as bad about this here, but I'm sure that you, you've gone to church before. We have an order of worship. But it's okay if we, if we don't do this. Is it okay with you if we don't do this in this order? I think, you know what, It'd be, I've done this before. I've really messed with our worship team, and I've told them to stay seated. We're not going to sing a song at the end. I've told you guys I was going to do this before, and I've never actually done it, but I've told you I was going to make y'all all get up and go to this side of the worship center, and I'm going to make all of y'all get up one Sunday and go to, to this side of the worship center. Because we're so routine. And see, when we come in, we just kind of slip into that. And it's all comfortable for us. Why? Because this is our place. But the next thing you know, that becomes our seat. And I paid for that. And if somebody else sits in it, they need to get up and they need to move. See, that, this is where this gets all, see, this is all box. It leads to this. If all of these people were following Christ around and he just let them hang on in the ministry and just believe that he was the son of God and not actually step out in faith and trust that he was going to sustain them and everything in their life, he would have gone from town to town to town and he'd have just picked up what? He'd been breaking. Then, he, then we would have had the next story. This is where Jesus fed 10,000. And then this is where Jesus fed 25,000. And then this is where Jesus fed 50,000. And there would have been 15 loaves and 15 fishes and all these other things that he would have been... He'd been breaking food all day long, right? How is that ministry? That's not ministry. That's just feeding somebody on a daily basis. What's the old saying? If you feed a man a fish, you need to feed him the next day, right? 
if you teach a man how to fish, you teach him how to feed himself, right, for the rest of his life. I'm sure that's not the way it, I didn't get it all, right, because I don't know it that great. But you get the point, right? All right. But the point is, is that we have to learn on our own. We have to be taught how to fish. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say that he was going to break fish for us every day of our lives and feed it to us. Ooh, there's another good one. Let me just, this one, this one just came to me. The brilliance is just flowing this morning. Old Testament, right? Old Testament, they cross over finally into the land that is promised. The land flowing with milk and honey. You know what happens when they cross over? The bread, the manna, the birds flying down every night stops. It doesn't happen anymore. When they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, he fed them every morning, every night. But when they crossed over into the land that he promised them, when they finally stepped out and moved in faith like he challenged them to years and years ago, what, did, what happened? All that stuff stopped. And they had to get busy about what God wanted them to do. They had to pick up the cross that he wanted them to carry. And they had to live like he told them to live in the land in which he gave them. This is for us. So look, I know we calendar things here, and I know that we move from one thing to the next thing, and to the next thing, and to the next thing. But don't let this settle into your heart like some sort of routine. Because if it settles into our hearts like routine, our hearts harden. And when one event doesn't live up to the next event, or if it's not as big, or if it's not as this, it's not as loud, if it's not as, you know, emotionally moving for us, then we move on from it. That's not what Christ tells us to do. Christ says to follow me and be faithful. And that happens whether good things are going on at the moment or bad things are going on at the moment. Scripture says this in Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. Now, how comforting is that to you? This is what Christ says. The harvest is plentiful. Taylor, are there lost people at the University of Georgia? Wow. There, there's a couple. <laughs> Are there lost people at your work, Joe? Are there lost people in your neighborhood, Al? Are there lost people still left on Orr Road? Come on, they're, they're around us. They are around us each and every day. And we must engage them. This is what God calls us to do. And how does he say what happens to us? We're lambs in the midst of wolves. God is our protector. Are you getting this? He's got our back on all of this. Every single bit of it. He just tells us 
to go. There's a break in the routine. There's a break in how life happens. It's more than just one thing on our calendar. Romans 12, 11 says this. He's describing what our faith is like, what it's like to live in the Spirit. He says it's not lagging behind in diligence. It's fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is what our life is to be like, not lagging behind in diligence. Don't get your priorities out of whack. Stay diligent to the things that God has called us to. Do you get this? Not a cause, a calling. God has called us out of this world. So we must remain diligent towards it, fervent in spirit. Passion. Have you lost your passion for what God wants us to do? When we do that, we wander. Not wander, we wander around. Serving the Lord. When I say that God had placed a calling on our lives, I've mentioned this to you before. But there's a calling on everybody's life, every soul. There's a call to salvation, and there's a call to serve. God saves you so that you might serve him. The Bible is very explicit on this. And I'll close simply with this. I've talked to you about rights. The Bible doesn't say anything about rights. Bible talks about roles. You're a branch. You're a follower. You're a servant. Those are our roles. Doesn't say anything about you having any rights. The only thing that the Bible says is that you're a slave to something. So everyone here that thinks that they're a master, you're not a master. You're a slave. You're a slave to one of two things, your sin or your Lord. And that's it. But we get upset because we read about all this and see all this. And we look at our world. Our world, everyone is demanding their rights. But no one is wanting to serve God in a role anymore. This is what Jesus, the same message the same message that Jesus has given to all of the crowds of people that are gathered around him is the same message that we won't preach from the church. Why? Because we want to be popular. We want large amounts of people coming to our churches so that we can tell everybody that there's large amounts of people coming to our churches. And it brings relevance to us. That's not our role. Do you know what? Our Savior said that knows the same thing. That wasn't his role. 
What would have happened if he would have kept on down this path? They would have tried to make him king. There would have been a war. The Israelites would have stood up and they would have probably waged war or anarchy against the Romans. And they would have tried to make Jesus their king. Not necessarily the religious leaders, but the, the Israelite people. But that wasn't what Jesus came for, was it? He knew his role, which was to come and to die on a cross. And he would not be deterred from that. So he assumed the responsibility, stayed the course. And even though it caused him his popularity, he finished the task that God had for him, the purpose that God had for him. Guys, that's us. That's us. How do I know that God is not done with us? Because we're still breathing. When we are done, God will call us home. And for some of you, that's hard things right now. Miss Virginia is taking care of family right now. That puts a lot of stress on Miss Virginia. And it may not be the, the thing that Virginia thinks that, that she wants to do with the rest of her life. But that's what God's called her to do. And she's doing it on a daily basis. Don and Jeanette, their lives have changed drastically over the last three or four years for both of them physically. But I'm amazed at how much they've risen to the occasion on both instances to take care of the other. That's what God had called them to do. They're together. They are what? In marriage, we are what? One. When we say vows, which we don't like to say anymore, it's for better or for? For richer or for? In sickness? Y'all are good. We're now married. I pronounce you <laughs> pastor in church. We always want the good. But sometimes in our lives, these things flow in. And if we are responsible, if we're truly faithful to what God calls us to, then we will get through those times and he will bless us through them. And he will bless others through us. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for how you take care of us. Father, you are the bread of our lives. But that's so much more than manna that came down from heaven. It's so much more than lunch that we'll go to in a few minutes. Father, you are the very essence of every aspect of our lives. And Father, help us to see that you are greater than any cause that is on this earth and that you are greater than any task that is on our calendar. Lord, may we walk the walk that you've called us to. May we step out in faith to trust you to see us through. Lord, we've communed with you this morning. Why? Because we've worshipped you. 
You've spoken your word into our hearts. This is not Tim's message. This is your word. And Father, as we hear your word, it penetrates us to the very joints and marrow of who we are. And if it penetrates us there, it changes the very makeup of our lives. I pray that you move us. I pray that you not leave us. I pray that we find favor in your eyes. And that you might be glorified in everything that we say and do. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.